Good morning. Howdy. There you go. There's always one in the bunch. Uh, it is a beautiful day that we've been blessed with, and I'm grateful to be with you this morning here at Summers Avenue. Uh, one of my two visits during the year, my one time a year I get to speak to the congregation, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, I'm thankful my beautiful wife got to be with me today. Um, you know, we're enjoying this kids getting older thing. Uh, with one in college and one that is old enough to stay home and grandparents kind of come get him and take him to church, she has a little more freedom to go with me some, and that's kind of a nice thing for us to do. And uh, uh, so now I'm kind of like the 14-year-old, can't get out of the house quick enough, because <laughs> uh, I kind of enjoy having her going with me. Today is a wonderful day in a lot of ways. But today is also a somber day in a lot of ways. And if you don't know, uh, if you've not seen it in the news or things like that, today is a day called Blue Sunday. Uh, And it is a day this month of April is a month that we um, think a lot about child abuse, victims of child abuse in our country. And it's a child abuse awareness month. And the last Sunday of the month of April is always called Blue Sunday. And it's a Sunday that we just ask churches and God's people to spend some time in prayer for our children, for children in our communities, in our cities around this country and around this world who are living lives of child abuse, who are living lives at the hands of people who are mistreating them and not taking care of them the way God wants them to be taken care of. And so this morning as we begin... Would you mind to go with me in prayer as we pray for these children? Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today with somber hearts and the realization, Father, that there are so many children that you wanted for them to have wonderful lives because of, Father, the people they live with and the places they are. They are not being cared for as you wish. And that children right now, Father, are being victimized, are being hurt, are being bruised. And yes, Father, even some will lose their lives at this very moment at the hands of an abuser. And so, Father, today we pray for each one of those children. And we pray that You will surround them with Your love and Your protection. And that You will help them heal from the scars and the wounds that they bear. And Father, we pray for the people who are around them. The people who notice things that aren't just right and are scared to say anything. And Father, I pray that You give all of those people the courage they need to speak up. And to help these children get out of these places of extreme abuse. And help them find a better place to live. Or to help a family get help so the abuse can end and they can be a family designed after you. Father, help us to never become so complacent that we think these things don't happen right here around us because they do. And sometimes the only way children get relief is from someone else standing up and using their words to draw attention to a problem. And in doing so, Father, help us to understand that in so many times 
we're saving the life of a child because we were willing to get involved. Father, I pray for all those men and women who work in our country and around our world caring for these children to do what we can to provide a better family for them, to provide a safe place and a warm bed and a loving home for these children. And in doing so, Father, we pray that we are breaking the cycle of abuse in the life of a child so that when they grow up and they have their own children, that they will understand what it means to be a parent and they will understand the great love that they need to have for their children and the great desire they need to have to protect them from evil. Help us to be strong. Help us to be your people. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I'm not sure if this is working or not. I'm on, and I hit an arrow, and we're still there. He's doing this to me. So, anyway, while he's working to get that going... Um, I will tell you personally, the last several weeks have been a little, a lot of a roller coaster for us. Um, three weeks ago, this past Friday, uh, my 94-year-old my 94 year old grandmother passed from this life. Um, she was a matriarch of our family, and she was a great woman of God. So losing her has been a difficult thing for our family. Um, because she was just vibrant and wonderful and loved life until the last about four weeks of her life. Um, And so we miss her greatly. We went from that low to this past week. I had the opportunity to be in Harrisburg, Arkansas, and in Fort Smith uh, with two adoptions this week of families that have been through a lot trying to get to the point to finalize adoptions for kids and to be forever families for them. And uh, we're excited about those kind of things continuing to happen at children's homes. And so we're thankful um, that those kinds of people are still out there working to care for kids. To give you a little update about where we are at children's homes, and that's what we're going to do today. Uh, The slides I have are a few, just to kind of give you a little place of where we are. But also tell you a little bit about some challenges that we have at children's homes right now. Some ways that we're going to make it easier for you to be able to give to us starting now. Uh, and we're kind of excited about this. Um, and so, um, let me begin by saying things are going well at children's homes. Um, and we have a lot of kids in care. We don't have as many as we normally have because of some things that we are transitioning to at children's homes. Um, one of our homes on campus is closed right now um, because we are in the process of planning to tear that house down. It's, it's a very, very old house. It doesn't have a lot of great bedroom space in it. And so we're going to be tearing that home down and building a new home in its place. It's a larger home to care for kids. And so we're excited about that. One of our other homes that we have at the youth camp out at Walcott, uh, we are transitioning that house uh, into a foster group home. Uh, there's a great need, and I'll talk about that in just a moment about what we're trying to do, but there's a great need in foster care for large sibling groups. Um, Kids, there are sibling groups of five and six and seven kids coming from the same family and doing what we can to try to keep those kids together in one place instead of separating them all over the place. And so we're transitioning that home into a foster group home. And so we're currently looking for foster parents to come and live in that house um, and to care for those sibling groups. And so we're excited about that. 
The greatest statistics we have right now, and it continues to grow, uh, in the last 15 months at children's homes, uh, we've had 18 children, 18, I think it's 18 children, who have been baptized into Christ. Uh, and we're very, very excited about that statistic. I may have that backwards, I can't remember. Um, but we still spend a lot of time every day in the Word of God, teaching kids about God and the importance of God in our lives and making sure that we're following our, our patterning our lives after Him um, and spending time learning about Him. And these kids are making some great decisions in their lives and they're making them on their own. And sometimes that's a struggle for them um, because these kids are making decisions in the face of opposition by family. Um, and I will tell you that every child who wants to be baptized into Christ uh, we always call the parents, we always call the guardians about this. Sometimes the parents are excited for their kids making that choice. Uh, sometimes the parents don't like that choice, but they tell their kids, it's your choice. And sometimes we have those parents who are just strongly opposed to it and don't want it done. And so we have to work with those parents as well for them to understand that this child is making a decision for their lives. Um, and so that is still ongoing at children's homes, and we are very so thankful uh, that that is happening. Our kids are having great things happen to them in life. Um, this past October, um, Lucretia, uh, one of our young ladies, uh, showed her animals at the state fair here in Little Rock, and uh, she won reserve grand champion with her chicken. <clears throat> they call them broilers when they compete, but they're called chickens where we are. And uh, she won reserve grand champion. And so anybody want to venture a guess as to what Lucretia's prize was for winning reserve grand champion at the Arkansas State Fair? If Lucretia decides to go to the University of Arkansas when she graduates from high school, and if she chooses to go into a field similar to like poultry sciences and things like that, her prize is a four-year full-ride, all-everything-paid scholarship to the University of Arkansas. Who knew a chicken can get you that much scholarship money? <laughs> But apparently it can. And a great door has been opened up for her in her future, a door that wasn't there. Um, if they get the slides going, I'll tell you, it's kind of funny because she won this big old belt buckle that says Reserve Grand Champion on it. And um, while she doesn't wear it on Sunday mornings to church, I can guarantee you Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, she's going to be wearing that belt buckle because she is proud of it. And so we're excited about Lucretia and what is opening doors for her. Uh, this past December, we had a young man, you, I've told you about before, Randy Pixler. Randy graduated from Harding University this past December with a degree in information systems technology. I'm not sure the exact name of the degree. Um, he is now living in Paragould and working for a company called Flower Shop Network and Atwill Media, doing technology work for them and Internet stuff. And uh, he is engaged Life is going well for Randy. And we are proud that because of what we did to partner with Randy in his college career, that Randy graduated from Harding University with no debt. And that was a big thing for him. Um, if you had the opportunity, a few of you did, had the opportunity to come to homecoming this past year, uh, the only debt he had was that one student loan that he took out. And so we were able to pay off that student loan for him as well. Hey, we have slides. And let's see if we can get them to go forward here. Maybe, maybe not. He's shaking his head no. So anyway, we're excited about the progress for Randy. We have another young lady, Serena, uh, who is now, at the, as I've told you before, is at the University of Wisconsin in, uh, <clears throat> in Oshkosh. 
and she is getting a degree in medical sciences to be specializing in working in emergency rooms for doing emergency room care. Her first year of college at the University of Wisconsin, we awarded her $12,000 for her first year of college. Um, she has applied for scholarship for her second year beginning in August, and we have awarded her a comparable amount for her next year of college. Um, she is doing wonderful, and she is taking a stand where she is. Uh, she interviewed with our committee the other day, and they were so very, very impressed with her, of where she is in her life, and challenges that she's facing at the University of Wisconsin and how she's taking a stand against some things there. Um, and it just shows a lot of the training that we had and family around her helped give her a really, really good foundation uh, to be able to go out there and live life. And so we're excited about that. Um, foster care is always an issue for us at Children's Homes. And we are continuing to search for those foster families out there uh, to work with us and to partner with us to care for kids. Um, our biggest areas that we need right now in foster care, and I've told you this before and I will tell you again just to remind you of this, I know everybody, when they want to go into foster care, would like a baby right out of the hospital. But that rarely happens anymore, rarely to never. Our greatest need right now in the state of Arkansas is sibling groups, people who can take sibling groups in foster care. It's also older children. And when I say older children, sometimes that terrifies people because they're thinking, oh my word, I can't imagine bringing a 14, 15-year-old into my home after everything they've been through and how what fear that is. The state of Arkansas classifies an older child as a child who is five years old or older. So you think about a five-year-old being classified as an older child. That's a huge need we have in our state right now. Our people that take kids even as young as five into their homes and start to help them out there. And so basically it's just we just need less specialization out there of families. And just families are going to say, you know what, we've got a bed and let us put a child in this bed and see what we can do to help them. Because you know right here in this congregation that leads to other things. We have so many families who bring children into their home as foster children and then just fall in love with them to the point and the children become adoptable, that they're able to adopt them into a forever family. And you are witnesses to that right here with families you have in this congregation. We witnessed that this past week. Um, the Almond family who worship at... Winsong, I think it is. They live in the Mall Mill area. Um, I think one or both of them work at CAC. Um, they adopted a young lady. Her name is Sadie. Sadie is 16 years old and is a wonderful addition to their family. They're excited about that. Uh, we also in Fort Smith, Devin Swindle, who uh, preaches for the Highway Church in Judsonia, is also a professor at Harding University. He and his wife, Rachel, uh, adopted a little boy. His name is Eli. And they adopted him this past, Thursday, this past Wednesday in Fort Smith. I got to be in court there that day. And so the age range is wide of families, who are, of kids that they're adopting into their families. But I'll tell you what, it's just a wonderful thing to see that happen, to see all this go on in the lives of families and the families working through everything they have to work through. And your families here will tell you it is not an easy process. It is not for the people who are, are, who are impatient. You have to practice a lot of patience with this because our court systems sometimes make it so difficult for this process to get done. And you have a lot of fear and you have a lot of worry, especially when you're wanting to adopt a child and you don't know whether the biological parents of that child are going to 
turn over their parental or going to allow their parental rights to be terminated or if the courts will terminate those rights. And so it's a constant roller coaster that you're on getting to that point. And then you get to the courtroom that day and they think we're going to be the first case on the docket and we're going to get this done quickly and then something happens. And you have to sit there a little bit longer and be a little more patient and wait and wait and wait. And you finally get into that room, whether it's in the courtroom or a back room of the court, and the judge comes in and they ask the questions and they finally say, from hereafter you will be. And it's like the weight of everything has just now left your shoulders and all of a sudden you can move forward as a family. And what a wonderful thing for it is. Watching Sadie the other day in Harrisburg in the courtroom there and the love of that family surrounding her, but there was just a marked difference in her sitting in the courtroom and the tenseness and the worrisomeness of her. And you could see it on her face. And when that judge finally pronounced her that you will forever be Sadie Allman, her body just relaxed because she knew this family was going to be hers forever. And our kids go through those emotions leading up to that point. And so we're so very, very thankful that we have this able to do. And we're going to see, we're going to try this one more time if things will go through. Aha! I'm going to catch up to pace here. That's Randy and Gary being graduated from Harding. Um, This is Lucretia and her belt buckle. (laughs) Uh, You can see it's a big belt buckle. Um, There's, we've had 31 kids just talking about adoption. We've had 31 kids. Uh, since January of 2017 who have been adopted and have forever families. Um, We have more that are going to happen in the next few days. Uh, I know May the 22nd, I think I'll be in Fort Smith for another adoption and be back over there in July for another adoption um, by families over there. And so we're thankful that that's continuing to happen for us at Children's Homes. We talk about foster families. We are always looking for foster families. I've already talked about that a little bit. There's talking about where we are right now. We have 49 homes around the state, uh, around Arkansas, and now in Missouri we have four homes that are open in Missouri now doing foster care. And so uh, we're continuing to grow that program. It's constantly kind of this for us because you think about when you've got 31 kids that have been adopted over the last several years, those families were foster families for us, and after they adopted the child, a lot of times they closed their home because now they've adopted And so we're constantly having to bring in new families to keep that number um, high and and have foster families out there to meet the need in our state. We have a lot of private agencies around the state of Arkansas that are doing foster care. Um, Children's Home still maintains the number one children's home organization in the state of Arkansas privately that has the most foster homes caring for kids over the rest of them out there. But I'm I'm thankful that a lot of places are seeing this need out there. And there's part of a reason for that need, and I'll tell you about that here in just a moment, uh, of what that need kind of is. You've heard us talk about Dylan. You remember Dylan, the little boy who had been burned so severely. He and his brother were adopted by the Barker family over in Fort Smith. Um, There's some pictures of Dylan that I pulled off a Facebook page that we have for them. Uh, I love the one in the upper left-hand corner where he's looking at the dryer. Um, you can see the puppy dog that he's holding in the picture on the right side of the screen. Uh, that's his buddy. That's his best friend. And every time he has surgeries down at Shriners in Galveston, they let him take the puppy dog in with him to surgery. Uh, and so that day at the left, he's waiting for his puppy dog to get a bath. 
um, and he's anxiously waiting for that dog to come out of the dryer so he can get his hands on it again. Um, you see how all he's doing? The bottom picture on the left, um, he's flipped upside down showing his belly. Uh, that was after one of his surgeries. Uh, he's got a little cast on his leg, but that has not slowed him down at all. Um, but the other extreme of it is the picture on the bottom right-hand corner of the pouty face because that was his last surgery he went to, he went, he went to in Galveston. Um, and if you have children and you know going to the doctor a lot after a while, they start to get scared of people in white and blue coats because they know they're going to stick them and prod them and that kind of stuff. Uh, and at that point in time, he was just absolutely refusing to put on his hospital gown because he knew what was going to happen. He knew surgery was coming. Uh, but he finally did put it on and the surgery was successful for him. They are doing well. And he still is looking at the road of more surgeries this year. We've been so very thankful for all the families who continually give to the fund to help provide, um, to cover all the expenses for this family so they continue to go and Gal- go to Galveston and, and get the work done that needs to be done for this boy. He is growing and doing well. Uh, I want to tell you a little, little bit about this, um, as we lovingly refer to the FFPSA, which is the Family First Prevention Services Act. This is a big thing for us right now in child welfare not just in the state of Arkansas, but throughout our entire nation. Um, FFPSA was a bipartisan act that was passed um, by Congress when they were trying to get a, a budget passed. And in the very last moments of it, they tacked on this. And this is literally upending child welfare all across our country. And once again, and, and I'll, I'll try not to be too political with you, but I will tell you, this is once again the government thinking they know how to run everything when they really don't. Because what this is, is a, it's a federal spending mandate from the federal government that's being passed down to our states. And how states can use the federal dollars that come to the state to care for kids. Now, the basis of what they're trying to do sounds reasonable. Because their hope is that if we can provide more services out there for families, then maybe we will have fewer children who will have to leave their homes and they get to stay with their families. And we provide services to that families to make home life better for them. Sounds great, doesn't it? The only problem with it and thing we always have to remember is that the one thing the federal government will never ever be able to do is they will never be able to regulate someone into loving their children. That is a choice. And it doesn't matter how many programs you throw at families, if they don't want to be involved with them, they are not going to be involved with them. But what is happening in child welfare now is that the federal government is saying we are going to use fewer programs like group homes and we're only going to use foster care unless it's absolutely necessary and for the shortest amount of time we're going to do everything we can to keep these kids in their homes. And so what's happening is you've got... States now saying we're not going to place kids in your home. We're not going to place kids in your home in foster care. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. And we're going to see how this works. The problem is we've already had two kids across our country that I know of who were in safe foster homes and were removed from their foster homes because of this back to their biological families and both children have lost their lives. Because so many of these services are not in place out there in our states. Our state doesn't have a lot of the services in place right now to surround these families and help with these things. And so we have a lot of organizations like Children's Homes across our state and across our country that are staring down the barrel of October of this year when this is going to be fully implemented 
and trying to figure out what they're going to do. To continue to get federal funds to the state, the state has mandates that the organizations have to follow to continue to get that funding through accreditation, through all kinds of things. And so we have a lot of organizations that are trying to reinvent themselves to become trauma-based and therapy providers and things like that to try to continue to get kids into care because they're relying so heavily on the government dollars to keep their doors open. And that's where I thankfully tell people that we kind of separate ourselves out from the pack. Because, see, remember, this is a funding bill. We don't take government funding. We don't take the state's funding. And so all the things that these other programs are having, the hoops they're having to jump through and the hurdles they're having to jump over to continue to get those dollars from the, from the government, we're not having to worry about. We get to continue maintaining who we are at children's homes. Is it changing us a little bit? Yeah, it is. By our own choosing. For example, we're working our best on our main campus in Paragool to be totally privately placed. That we're not going to take any kids to the child welfare system into our residential program in Paragool. And there's a reason for that. The majority of the kids that right now are trying to be placed into our care from the state of Arkansas are, have extreme problems, extreme violence, they have been perpetrators of sexual abuse. They have been perpetrators of violence in the home. And so when you think about trying to bring those kids into an environment at children's homes, and all of a sudden you're putting all the other kids in jeopardy. You're putting their lives in jeopardy. And we don't offer services extreme enough to help those kids a lot of times. But we know there are a lot of families out there that are struggling. And they don't have the extreme problems that so many of these kids do. And they can privately come to us and place those kids. Right now, we're at 97% private placement in Paragol on our main campus. And we have a waiting list right now of, of children needing to be in our program. And we're trying to do a better job of, of being informative to our churches, to our school counselors, to school resource officers, to our court systems, that people can come directly to us. We don't have to continue to overburden the child welfare system. They can come to us and still be actively involved in the trainings of children. Because through programs like Working Together, what we're trying to do is we're trying our best to reunify that family. But not by just training the child, but also training the family to be a better place for that child to go back home to. The sad thing about this act is we will have a lot of programs across our country who will be forced to make the choice to close their doors. Because they just can't do it without the government money or they don't have the resources to be able to meet the standards that are being placed before them now to continue to care for kids. And so now all of a sudden where we were already behind the eight ball of not having enough beds for kids in care across our country, we have fewer beds now, fewer places for kids to be because places are going to have to close their doors. And that's a struggle for us right now. But that's why I remind you, because of things like this that are passed by our government and implemented state to state, because of you, we still get to be children's homes. And we still get to spend our days teaching kids about God and putting them in a family setting and understanding the importance of bringing family back together. 
And we don't have to worry about government money that's being dangled in front of us and said and told, you have to become what we want you to become or we're not giving you our money anymore. But an interesting thing about it, and I may have told you this, because they're talking about training to keep kids in home. Our Working Together program was self-designed by us more than 20 years ago. Several months ago, I was here in Little Rock at a, at a conference uh, where representatives of the Annie Casey Foundation uh, out of Texas, they're kind of the big dogs in child welfare, and they're pushing a lot of things because they have deep pockets. But I was talking with a lady that day from the, the Casey Foundation, and I was telling her about the Working Together program and how successful we are at reunifying families out there and getting kids back into their homes with their families and it being a better environment for them. And she looked at me and her Texas draw and said, Isn't that something? I said, what? And she said, y'all have been doing for more than 20 years what the federal government is just now figuring out needs to be done. And that's where I'm thankful for the people we have working at children's homes who are forward-thinking people. We're always looking to the next need for a child and what we can do to develop a program out there to help that child for the next thing that is coming down the road because there will always be a next thing. As long as Satan is prowling our earth, there will always be a next thing to do what he can do to cause chaos in our lives. And so I'm thankful that we're there working so much with these families to help keep them back together and bring them back together. And issues like this don't have as big an impact on us as they do for a lot of other places out there. We are needing house parents right now. We have an immediate open right now for a couple to come in and live on our main campus in Paragould to be house parents for us, uh, to care for kids in one of our family homes. And so you may have an interest. You may know somebody who, ha- who is interested in this. They may live in another part of the country. I don't know. But if you do know of somebody who has talked about doing something like this in a ministry like children's homes, I hope you will send them to us to give us the opportunity to talk with them. Um, I believe we pay our house parents well. We provide a great package for them to be able to come and minister at children's homes. And so if you know somebody, let us know about that. I talk about this. This is a new thing we got going on. Today we're here talking about change for children. One of the comments I get so much, people in our churches, is, you know, we just don't carry change anymore. And we've seen that. Over the last several years, we've seen our Change for Children program kind of trail off a little bit simply because people just don't carry change and they're trying to fill up those coin banks so they don't have cash with them and and things like that. Those are becoming things of the past because now we're doing everything with what? With debit cards and credit cards. Our banks have made it convenient for us to do those things. So we're going to kind of jump on the bag magnet at children's homes and we have actually um, rolled this out this last week. And so you see on the screen here, Ways that you can give to us that are different than the way they've been before. Um, for example, you'll see there, and it's kind of, maybe kind of small, uh, I actually happen to have flyers up here that you can take with you. Uh, but now then, you can get your phone uh, and you can text the words CHANGE FOR CHILDREN uh, to the number 43506 and it will bring you to a box where you can choose whether you want to do a, monthly, a one-time gift to children's homes, you want to do monthly giving to children's homes, or... You can take all of your debit card and credit card purchases and you can round them up to the next dollar. And all that change from what your purchase was up to the next dollar once a month will be donated to children's homes. 
you can actually set a spending limit. So let's say in the month of May you sign up for this and you say, you know what, I only want to do $40. So all the purchases you make, it'll round up and round up and when you hit that $40 mark, it stops rounding up for the month. In the beginning of June, it starts all over again and it will round up to that $40 limit. You can set that limit however you want it to be. You can say $10, you can say $100, whatever it is. But now all of that change is now being, we're kind of recouping that change that once people went and paid, gave a $20 bill for something and got change back and they went home and stuck it in a change can, now then they don't have that much anymore. And so now people can continue to do that with us. This is going to be a great program for us and we're excited about this. You think about this for one moment. Our typical goal for change for children uh, is around three dollars to $350,000 a year is what it is. Um, if they tell us that the average amount that a person will round up every month is $40. So you, let's do the math here. You got any math teachers in the room? One person, $40 a month times 12, that's what? $480 a year. Am I correct on that, math teachers? $480 a year. You get a thousand people, thousand of our supporters that say they want to round up their change. And if the average is $480 a year, somebody do the math for me. What's 480 times a thousand? Isn't that $480,000? Kind of blows our goals out of the water a little bit, doesn't it? When you begin to think what could be possible with this just by that, by that little bit of change. Plus, I jokingly tell people, those of you who still fill out a check register and have to subtract, it makes it a whole lot easier using this because you're not having to subtract cents. It's just zeros on that column, and it makes it easier to get that done. If you're interested in this, I've got flyers down here that can help direct you to where you get this done. Um, and you can do one debit card. You can do a debit card and a credit card. You can do a debit card and multiple credit cards that you use, however you want to do it. it. It allows you to add several things. The thing I love about it is because every time you make a gift for this, we have it set up that we're able to send a personal message right back to you thanking you for the gift, telling you about a story about a child that's in our care and what's going on with them. It's a much better way for us to be able to interact with our supporters out there so you know on a regular basis what's going on at children's homes. And so we're thankful to be able to have this new program out there and what we're doing. Um, you will have questions, and we will be around after church this morning uh, because I'm telling you we will be around after church this morning because it is potluck day. Um, I jokingly tell people, I, I tell people to ask two questions when I schedule somewhere to speak. And I didn't even know about this. The first one is, will there be a potluck? The answer to that question will determine the second question. The second question is, can there be a potluck? Um, so anyway, we're excited to be here for you this morning. Uh, and so I do thank you so much for your support, for what you do for us at Children's Homes. As I've already said to you, it's not going to happen without you. We have two choices at Children's Homes. We either continue to serve kids the way God designed us to do it with God's people or we close our doors. Because the only other option out there is to use the government's money to do it and we're just not going to do that option. Because we know God's way is the best way. And that's how we will continue to do it. And so that's how you continue to keep us there every day providing for the lives of these kids. And a wonderful thing that you are doing for us, and we thank you for that partnership.
In closing this morning and extending our invitation, I thought a lot about this week about adoption. Because I've been through this twice this week and witnessed this. And the highs and lows and all those kinds of things. And it just reminds me so much of all of us. Because I hope everybody in this room, we realize that we have been adopted. Do you? Do you realize that everyone in this room, we have all gone through the adoption process because we have been adopted by our God. And our God paid the ultimate price for our adoption. Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. I ran across this little paragraph a few days ago and I thought, man, that just sums it up so much for me as a child of God to understand the magnitude of my adoption by the Father. We are adopted children of the Lord God Almighty. Jesus paid the overwhelmingly and extravagant adoption price to bring us into His family. Our adoption into God's family is what grace means in the real world. Our gain came at His pain. Our place in the Father's family came at the expense of His isolation, His abandonment, His ridicule, His torture. We entered God's family with bad habits and deep wounds and heavy baggage. Because of Jesus, however, love triumphed over brokenness. In Christ. Grace provided family to those exiled in isolation. Through the cross, Jesus rescued us from the curse of being unwanted and life-abused children. Our Father extravagantly overpaid to adopt us. Do you fully understand the price that was paid? For your soul. Do you fully understand the reality that because of what Jesus Christ did and His Father designed to be done in this life, that from this point forward, everyone who is born into this world has the opportunity to be adopted by the Father. And the opportunity to live with Him for eternity in heaven. I think sometimes we don't remember that. And we don't understand, as the author of that said, how extravagantly God paid, overpaid, for our adoption. One of the things that we've done in child welfare in the last few years is we've worked to close down a lot of adoption agencies out there. We had adoption agencies across this country that they would, a family would come to them and say, we'd like to adopt a child. And this organization would say, sure, here's a contract, let's sign the contract, and here's what your cost is going to be. It's going to be $30,000 to get this done. And the family would figure out a way to pay their $30,000 to adopt this child, and then all of a sudden there'd be no adoption. 
because everything fell through and it was not going to be possible anymore. And the sad thing was that a lot of these families that paid that $30,000 never got anything back. There were no refunds. The joy we have of being children of God is our adoption by God is a sure thing. He paid the price. And it was extravagant. But He paid it so that you and I could be adopted sons and daughters of the Father. And all He asks in return is that we live as He commands us to live. And we be the people that He commands us to be in this life. So that one day when we are called home, we have the assurance of being with the Father for eternity. You see, our adoption in my mind by God is way less about this earth and way more about eternity with the Father. We've got to live here and we've got to get through this. But oh, the magnitude and the glory of eternity with the Father. This morning, you've been adopted. And I hope you're living such a life that you can say with full assurance, God, I'm yours. If you've got things in your life that are keeping you separated from God, then today's the time to turn all that over to God and allow Him to lead you and heal you in this life. We may have someone here this morning who has not put on Jesus Christ in baptism. Today is the time for your rebirth. To be born again through the watery grave of baptism to begin that walk with God. This morning, if we can help you in any way, would you come as we stand together and sing? One heart, 